Welcome everyone to the Daily Kofefi. Today is Friday, June 14th. Um, I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, by the bad man, Majama, Carrie Smith, who is in no way discombobulated. <laughs> Happy Friday, Carter. <laughs> Happy Friday, Carrie. Um, <laughs> there's a bunch of like little things I kind of want to talk about today. I know that we've been railing on the social media censorship stuff, but... It's, it's everywhere. Really so we'll probably talk about that again today. I want to bring up one. <laughs> I want to bring up one little annoying thing. I know that a lot of people know that Snopes is just a left-wing propaganda machine pretending to be a fact-checking site. But a lot of people don't know that. And they think that Snopes is a fact a fact-checking site. And when yeah, I was a lot of a lot of people don't know that. I didn't know right. that until recently. Right. So I, I want to bring this. I'm just going to give you an example of something that I was like, wait, what is this? So when, when I did the, um, the video that the, uh, the song thing for YouTube, I love you, I was making, um, I was choosing pictures and video and stuff for it. Right. Well, I wanted to use the picture of the, all that Venezuelan money in the gutter for one of the scenes, which I did. Um, but I wanted to double check. I'm like, well, is this really, cause you know, sometimes pictures are from like 20 years old and it's something else. And I don't know what Venezuelan money looks like. So I was like, is this a real picture? So I, you know, typed in duck, duck, go or whatever. And I looked for, to see if this was a real picture. And, and this Snopes article came up cause Snopes, of course they covered it for me. Cause you know, thanks. Thanks Snopes. So here's what they say. Here's the question. Is this a photograph of worthless money in the gutters of Venezuela? And it goes down here. A photograph shows piles of currency thrown in the gutter in Venezuela. This was their answer. Now, it says miscaptioned, and it's got a big red stop sign with a, a camera and a slash through it. Like, this is very similar to like a no, this is wrong, this is false. Miscaptioned. And I thought to myself, oh, what is miscaptioned? <laughs> I mean, does miscaptioned mean that it's it's not Venezuela? It's somewhere else, or it's it's staged, or it's it's from thirty years ago, or it's somewhere else, or yeah. B, it's miscaptioned. Oh, I'm so glad I looked this up. <clears throat> read. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but their description miscaptioned is. Oh yeah, uh, that's Venezuela, and it's in March of 2019. But uh, you can't blame socialism. Are you kidding me? No. Is that what they say? What do they yes. say? Yes. The caption says, this is a street in Venezuela. The money's in the gutter. It's worthless. Welcome to socialism. This is a genuine photograph of worthless money dumped in the gutter of Venezuelan street. However, the accompanying caption presents an oversimplification of the series of events that led to the worthless. <laughs> it's, wow. It's wow. fucking true. And Snopes is like, miscaptioned. <laughs> so just in case you did not know, and in case you think Snopes has any credibility, they do not. They do not have credibility. Uh, they are shills for Marxists. And clearly, they're actually shills for socialism. That's what they're doing here. Oh, I can't blame, can't blame socialism. So, and don't that's- the, uh, the Snopes founders have like some weird personal history and I just learned I a bunch know. of stuff about them, yeah. I don't know, but I wanted to mention that. So if people don't know how fucked up so Snopes is, that's, that's what it's like. So I don't, 
Don't trust Snopes. That was one thing I wanted to bring up. <sighs> also, don't trust I effing love science. You know, remember that website that was very popular? Yes, yes. The founders, yeah. I just heard from a friend all about the founders and how crazy they are, or the she is, the woman. Don't trust them. <laughs> I used to like them, but then I realized I started noticing things they were doing. So anyone who's a fan of science is a douchebag. Science isn't a team. Don't be a fan of science. Be scientific yourself. You don't have to be an expert in everything. No one is. But, like, just have a scientific, critically-minded, like, view of the world and, and use your own brain. Don't be a fan of science. But that's what this, this I fucking love science. Science is a fan of science. They have, and they cherry-pick stuff to support their political agenda of, yeah. Like, she oh, mixes in, like she's totally Marxist and she mixes in stuff with it. And she's not a scientist. She's someone who aggregates science stories and makes it. Right, and doesn't even understand them because sometimes she posts stuff and totally misrepresents what the science was behind the thing. I, I, that's when I stopped following them. I was like, oh, this is stupid. Um, so that's one thing I want to talk about. There's another thing I want to talk about today. Let me find it here. This is our beloved... Uh, our beloved Elizabeth Warren. Where is it? Where is she? Here she is. The beloved Elizabeth Warren. This, so, this will sound good to uh, general lefty types, but it's bad. I just, I just want to complain about this for a minute. So she's proposing $7 billion fund to black minority business expansion. She basically says, this is a quote from her, a lot of successful minority entrepreneurs have been able to overcome these structural hurdles, I assume she's meaning having dark skin as a structural hurdle, to create thriving businesses. So she's saying, okay, this is a, you know, the system's rigged against them, blah, blah, blah. Someone today posted uh, that white privilege is not having to look for a band-aid that matches your skin, which I just think is hilarious. So this, it's this kind of mentality. Uh, Warren writes in a Medium post explaining the proposal, but this disparity in startup capital is the single biggest reason that promising black-owned businesses on average are less profitable and bring on fewer employees than white-owned businesses. No, it's not. You don't know that. You haven't studied this. No one knows exactly what reasons are. So she's just, a. this is all bullshit. And I, I want to say this as someone, I was an angel investor for, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years, maybe 15. I, don't, I haven't. I haven't counted it up lately, but a long time exclusively doing er, the angel investors, early, early, early stage startups. I was a venture capitalist for a couple of years, which I hated, but whatever. It's a venture capitalist. Also, early stage venture capital. Do you know how difficult it is to be successful doing either one of those things? Sometimes we, we get lucky and you hit a home run with someone and there are famous angel investors like Jason Calacanis or, you know, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Crap. Chris uh, Saka, right? There are famous angel investors who, who hit it big. Partly it's because they're brilliant or they're really good networkers or they're just really good at reading founders and they, they're just really, really good at what they do. Some of it's sometimes a little bit of luck as well thrown in, which I think they would admit. It's really hard. The success rate is abysmal. I mean, most of the investments you make just go to zero. You just have to assume that like, 90% plus just go to zero because that's what happens. Generally, I'm not talking about black businesses. I'm talking about all startups. So here's Elizabeth Warren. She's proposing, I'm talking to, I'm going to talk to everyone who's not in the startup world. All the people who work hard 
all week, go to a job, pay your taxes. This bitch wants to take your tax money and play angel investor, which will almost surely fail. She thinks that the government, she can find some committee of experts that's going to be good at angel investing in small businesses with your tax dollars. That's what she's doing. That's what she, and she will fail because if she was good at this, she would be a billionaire. Yeah. This kind of, this kind of makes me believe your point that they're, they're just trying to take every, everything and move it into the government. Like angel investing doesn't need to be something the government does. Right. (laughs) Like, I don't really understand. Right. right. And I know this is taboo to say, but you know what? I've, I've torpedoed my career in Silicon Valley with this show already. So fuck it. I'll say it. The best possible thing to be in Silicon Valley as a startup entrepreneur is a black woman. You are, there is black woman privilege, not just black women, but like a minority woman or trans, I guess you could be trans. Someone high up on the social justice hierarchy in Silicon Valley, venture capital companies and angels roll out the red carpet and kiss the ground you walk on. You get to get a meeting instantaneously. I know someone, I don't know them personally, but I, I know the event. They won a pitch event. They were, the judges privately widely recognized that this woman had the shittiest pitch, the worst company, piece of fucking shit but she was a woman of color and they looked around each other and said, well, she really needs it the most. That's what Silicon Valley is like. It is Silicon Valley has been converged upon. So the idea that white men have privilege in Silicon Valley is a joke. You want to have the hardest time as a founder in Silicon Valley right now, be a white guy, be a white guy in Silicon Valley. There's no fucking way. No fucking way. You have to be really, really good for a venture capitalist or an angel to even want a meeting with you. But you say, but you're a minority, you're a person of color. They, like, like I said, roll out the red carpet, open arms, come on in. We want a virtue signal. We want to be meeting with you. We want to see you. Like, that's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It is inverted. And I'm not complaining about it. I don't care. I'm not a founder in Silicon Valley trying to do anything. I don't care personally, but, and by the way, but you're, I correcting, think, you're correcting the narrative though, which is wrong. Yeah. And by the way, I do think in the past there has been, and there still is a little bit of this, there's definitely like network and, and, and like Stanford privilege. Like if you went to Stanford or, or um, maybe Berkeley or whatever, if you have the right networks and, and many of those people are white or Asian people who have those networks, right? Uh, that is an advantage, absolutely. And that's, that's still an advantage in Silicon Valley. So I'm not going to say that's not. Here's what I don't like about this stuff, though, is when, is when you get that leg up because of your sex or your race, then you get the meeting and you know the person is like under, uh, underestimating you because they, they, they know they gave you the meeting because you're a woman. You both know it. Yeah, you both know it. And it's, it's so insulting. It's like, so you go into the meeting already defeated because it's like you don't even know if you got the meeting because your project was a good idea. Or your yeah, although a lot of these founders are, are a lot, especially the people of color who buy into this kind of crap. They've been told that, they're, that the world is against them. And they walk into these meetings a lot of times. I mean, the ones that I've had, uh, so it's only anecdotal. They walk in with uh, at the, 
an entitlement attitude and, and they will shit talk you. Those people are clueless. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, you know, so look, like I said, I'm not saying there was never, there was never white privilege in Silicon Valley. I'm sure there was, there was, I will say though, not for decades, Silicon Valley is pretty progressive. So I don't ever, I've been here for 20 years. I've never, ever, ever met any investor who like wanted you to be white or like wouldn't invest because someone of color, you know, someone that was the wrong gender or color or whatever. Like I've never, ever even heard a whiff of that anywhere ever. So it's very unlikely that it was recent. And now it is inverted. It is inverted. And, you know, this narrative that this is necessary is bullshit. And the entire idea that she could do anything but lose $7 billion with this is a joke. That's the other thing I wanted to say. All right. I'd say I'm on rant today. I didn't intend to rant today, Carrie. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> okay, well, that, now I think this whole election season is going to be, each one of them is going to come out with like, here's my big pandering gift. Here are the free things I'm going to give you. Like, it's all going to be, you know, what did Biden promise? If you hire me. Yeah. Biden I'll, promised to cure cancer. If you elect me, guys, hire me. I'll cure cancer for you. And then I was like, oh, my God, do they have a cancer cure somewhere? They've just been waiting to roll out when things got really dire. <laughs> like- yeah, I did the math. I did the math. Uh, since he was uh, elected VP, Roughly 6 million people in the country have died of cancer. So if he does have a cancer cure, he's murdered 6 million people by sitting on it and waiting until he can run for president. Um, but yeah, obviously, he just, not, no one means any of this. They just, this is just goody promising. Um, you know, it's funny that we complain about like, we're, we're very concerned about lobbyists bribing senators and, and representatives. Oh, gotta gotta get the money out of Washington. I agree. Like we we don't want that. So I'm concerned about it too. Kind of. Is it? Are these Democratic candidates doing anything other than just blatant, outright bribing people? That's all it is. I mean, it's already it's illegal to pay for votes with your own money. Like I don't think I think it's illegal for like Bill Gates to say like I I want to run and I'll give a hundred bucks to everyone who votes for me. Like that's illegal, but if he says I'll give a hundred bucks of someone else's money to everyone who votes for me, well, suddenly that's legal. <laughs> like, so, hey, free college, free healthcare. Hey, here's seven million dollars. Like, I'm gonna cure cancer. I'm gonna give you seven billion dollars. Yeah. Christmas is gonna be twice a year. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's yeah. gonna get extra desserts. That's right, extra desserts. Ice cream will have zero calories. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Uh, this, this is, you know, what's sad though, is they're speaking to the populace. So that means that the average person is like, yeah, go Elizabeth Warren. Free iPhones. Uh, <laughs> why does it, why, why, does why it, are we surrounded by such retarded people? This is uh, why, this is why though, Andrew Yang kind of still interests me because he's like, you get a thousand dollars, you get a thousand dollars, you get a thousand, everybody gets a thousand dollars. I think Andrew Yang just knows that he's surrounded by retarded people. And he's like, all right, you want a bribe? Here you go. <laughs> Everyone's bribed. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he's, he stepped it up a level. Everyone else tries to bribe certain groups. 
right? Like Elizabeth Warren's like, here's $7 billion for people of color. And, and Bernie's like, here's free college for everyone. And whatever, they all have their groups. And Andrew Yang's just like, Boop. he goes to the next level. Fuck you guys, I'm bribing everyone. Y'all get $1,000. <laughs> Look under your seats, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's sustainable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. When, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. What did I, oh, speaking of this, sorry, I'm looking at the article. Speaking of this, you'll love this, Carrie. I think you'll love this. Cory Booker, <laughs> he now has 12 co-sponsors for his reparations bill. Yay, wow. reparations. Wow. This is a Wait, it's a bill to study. Bill 116, Congress 1S. Uh, official title, HR Commission... HR 40 commissioned to study and develop reparation proposals for African Americans. So, hey, we're going to bribe you too. Hey, all you African Americans, Cory Booker thinks you're too stupid to make it on your own. So he's going to bribe you with other people's money. So go vote for Cory. So that's what that's happening now. I, I don't even know. When do we carry? This is a this is a serious question. When do we actually revolt? When does the frog jump out of the pot? Speaking of pots, I was just looking this up because my papa used to always say, "You don't want to say when." <laughs> no, 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 no. But let me. I was just thinking this isn't new because my papa used to say Herbert Hoover promised. Herbert Hoover was like, "If you vote for me, there'll be a chicken in every pot." Right. And yeah. what was the other thing you promised? I was looking it up. Like a. Uh, a car know. in every garage. A chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. Am I- yeah, but I mean, also bad, but that's more like cure cancer and less like I'm giving you money directly. At least that's like the implication was from his policies, we would be so successful that you would get a chicken in every pot. He wasn't saying I'll buy you chickens. True, um, true. Like that was also bad. I, I get it. But um, we've devolved into, I'm not even going to say that I'm like going to govern in some way that helps the economy. I'm just going to give you shit. I'm just going to give you free shit. And, and, you know, as long as we have this pile of free shit over here, I'm just going to keep taking from it. And eventually, oh, shit, there are no more rich people? Oh, fuck. Now what? That's, you know. Money anyway, in the streets. Money in the streets. But the, right. don't miscaption it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. That picture is <laughs> that picture's from the future. And it's America. <laughs> <laughs> That's the miscaption. It's not due to Venezuelan socialism. It's U.S. socialism. Yes, um, this is a photo from America, uh, 2050. Um, just in, and it is money that's worthless. <laughs> just but it's not due to Bernie. It's not due to any policies at all. There are no policy decisions that we could have yeah. made differently. <laughs> it's very complex. Uh, has nothing to do uh, with any causal effects that might hurt my ideology. Um, <laughs> when do we leap out of the pot that's your question yes, yes seriously when do we leap out of the pot when do you say like when they start taxing you to pay reparations when do you just revolt and say like fuck you i don't know i mean i'm not i, I think they do this so slow they do things like this so slowly you know like the censorship that's why i'm stuff. asking you that's why i'm yeah. using the frog in the pot analogy right yeah i don't know 
I mean, the taxing, the California thing is crazy enough, taxing people who can't afford health insurance to buy health insurance for non-citizens. That's crazy enough. But no one's going to do anything about it. I don't know what to do. I guess do we, I think honestly, unless you actually want to take up arms and start fighting physically, the only thing to do is probably to move all co-locate somewhere, which I always thought was a bad idea when the free state project tried it because it didn't really work and it's like hurting cats, but eventually they, we're going to have to like congregate. We're going to have to all live together near each other so that we can be like, yeah, none of us are voting for this shit. And like, we control at least something in our area. Um, I don't, I don't know that there's another option. I mean, yeah, I don't want to live in Montana either. It's cold, but what the hell or wherever. Um, I think, I don't know if Texas is savable, Carrie. I was going to say, I would nominate Texas. I would like for everyone to pick Texas and come here. And so that we can move, we can move the state back towards uh, its roots, like towards libertarianism. But you need, you need, uh, you, you need a, you need a small population state with an in, where an influx of people actually can have a real effect. I know when the Free State Project was looking at states, they were looking at, I think the final two were like, don't quote me on this, but I think it was Wyoming and New Hampshire. And I think they settled on New Hampshire, which I always thought was dumb because it's like in the belly of the beast. It's like, oh yeah, we're going we're gonna to plop ourselves right down in the middle of the East Coast, the like the blue center of the world other than California. Uh, we're going to plop ourselves down there, which is like, yeah, I think they'll just, they'll just annex New Hampshire if you try and be a libertarian there. At least no one cares about Wyoming for a good reason. Um, but I don't know. All right. So. Wait, so tell me what is this, what's in the reparations bill? Cause I haven't read about this yet. Like what, well, it, what so the reparations bill right now is so in, in fairness to Corey, he's just studying. So he's not proposing, I don't think he's proposing specific reparations. He's just saying uh, we need to evaluate it and pass a bill to evaluate it. I don't know. There's like a commission. He's like, they, they want, he wants to convene a commission to study this um, and allocate $12 million. I, you know what? I'll do it for $6 million. So fiscal responsibility, Corey. I'll do it for seven billion. Maybe <laughs> seven billion. That's, you don't. I don't think you understand how to negotiate. <laughs> I for six million dollars, I will write a thorough report about the feasibility and morality of reparations here in 2019 in the U.S. All for you, Corey. I'll even sign it for you personally. And you can, we can take a selfie together. Um, yeah, okay, so there was one other thing I wanted to say. <laughs> this is a random show, Carrie, and it's all me bitching. But this is what you wanted, so this is what you get. Uh, Carrie, you remember China's, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna talk, I'm gonna talk about China just for a second because it relates to something. <clears throat> it all relates, it all relates. You remember China's social credit system? That was been in the news? Yes, I do. Okay. It's like, it's like that episode of Dark Mirror. Yeah, in fact, it Black was compared Mirror. to Dark Mirror, or Black Mirror, a lot. Um, so just to, just to, remind, to remind people who don't uh, remember or 
inform people who don't know. So they China started this thing called social credit. It's first, it was a pilot program and it's, they basically rank citizens on how, how well they conform to the norms that the Chinese government wants. They track, so they, it uses a variety of things. Your social media, it uses uh, facial recognition software to see who you've been hanging out with because there's cameras all over uh, in major cities, right? So they can see you know, where you've been going and who you've been spending time with. They can tell that also from GPS. So they track your location. Uh, both via GPS in your cell phone and uh, via camera, you know, cameras placed around. Um, they they track your uh, online messages. Uh, I probably private messages because it's China as well. So private and public messages, your associations, both online and offline, who you're associated with, kind of things you say, what kind of like, like all this kind of stuff, everything you would expect from a technologically advanced China. All that shit. They do all of it. Um, and then they use it. They can ban you from flying or getting on a train, so they can confine you through public transportation to a particular area of the country if they want to. And obviously, China has a lot more um, travel controls than the U.S., so it's relatively easy to do this. And so they use this. So you know, if you're you have a bad score, they can kind of keep you. And there's been I'm not going to get into details, but there's been stories of like guys who've criticized the government or criticized this or hung out with the wrong people who are kind of stuck in their city right now because <laughs> they, they can't do anything so they can they can ban you from traveling they can throttle your internet speeds ban you or your kids from attending certain schools stop you from getting jobs gee they sound like social justice words come on uh, uh they can keep you out of the best hotels all this stuff <laughs> i guess they got someone's dog taken away so there's a few articles about this i don't you know i'm not going to uh go into the details you can look up china's social credit system uh, yourself. So, you know, we look at this and there's a couple things. One is we look at this and we think as Americans, we think that's China. We already know they're crazy Orwellian big brother dictator communists. We expect this from China. It's a shame. Poor Chinese people. That sucks. Right. But not here. Not here. Sometimes we say that to the TSA agent while we're getting felt up. Anyway, not we, we think like this is not here. You know, we're not, we're not like China. And I, I think culturally in many ways we do push back against some stuff, but not enough. Obviously TSA is a great example. We just don't push back because we're like, you know, uh, keep us safe. Um, but an interesting thing's been happening. So first of all, the media... The big, the, like the big, I'll say big tech and media, the social justice community, they actually don't dislike this Chinese thing. They're not liberals in the sense of like, hey, leave us alone and stop invading our privacy. That's not what the left is anymore. They don't, they don't care about your privacy. They, they are totalitarian. Like they're, they're authoritarians. So you get to, we started to see articles like this. Now this article granted its opinion, but it's from late 2018 and it's in the Washington Post. And we started to see articles like this. The West may be wrong about China's social criticism. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. It's hard to even it's read this without laughing. Kind of amazing, yeah. Hey, right? maybe, maybe we should do this guy. Hey, you know, that episode of that show that you guys like, the really dystopian, creepy one, you know, let's give that another look. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and it, and and that's kind of the argument here. The argument's like the argument's like, well, yeah, there. Oops, there were some some problems with the pilot. Uh, people were barred from school. Oops, here's some here's some problems. They were barred from attending some schools. And oops, you know, obviously, but it's not like dystopian. And the, <laughs> the reasons that they give, it's not dystopian because it's well intentioned. Uh, the government. Uh, that's the worst. <laughs> that's the worst. Yeah, and. The Chinese government outlined its vision for such a system and noted that it involved four distinct segments, a government trust system, a commercial credit system, a social trust system, and a judicial trust system. What drives this gargantuan project is an effort to build a culture of trust in Chinese society. (laughs) Given this broad aim, a more appropriate term to describe the initiative is a social trust system. Maybe a social justice system would be better, but... Uh, so I'm, I won't read this whole article either, but so we're starting to get this push from people on the left to kind of open up to the idea that like, oh, it's not so bad. I mean, yeah, I mean, they made some mistakes, but, you know, it could be used for good and, mm-hmm, right? This kind of bullshit. All right. So with that context, I know I'm talking about China a lot, but with that context, now I want to pull up something about the U.S. directly that came out today in Breitbart. Facebook's process to label you a hate agent revealed. This is their article. And they go through, they've got some documents uh, about how Facebook labels people hate agents and how you get, they, they collect what's called signals that you're a hate agent. And here's some things. If you self identify with or advocate for a designated hateful ideology, now, designated hateful ideology obviously is a term that is defined contrary to reason. <laughs> so, obviously, if you say you're a Nazi, that would explicitly that would count. But probably, if you say you're a member of the Proud Boys, actually, I know if you say you're a member of the Proud Boys that or you like the Proud Boys, that would count because the Proud Boys probably represent some ideology, or maybe they're a designated hate entity. So anyway, the hate entities are things like Tommy Robinson, because yeah, criticizing Islam makes you a hate entity. Or if you have tattoos or hate symbols of hate slogans, they don't say what those are, but considering that Pepe is, and, and the okay sign are hate slogans, the, art, the article mentions that, or hate, hate symbols, I guess those could be, those could be construed as being hate symbols. And then if you have hate paraphernalia, they don't say what that is, but you know, maybe a higher, a firearm, maybe a firearm is hate paraphernalia. I don't know. Then it says they'll categorize you as a hate agent for statements made in private, but later made public. Okay. For example, Paul Joseph Watson was categorized as hateful because he praised Tommy Robinson and he interviewed him on his YouTube channel. So also, actually, also, if you hang out with people who are mislabeled, or sort of not mislabeled, well, mislabeled, but labeled hate, hate agents or whatever. Um, Candace Owens was on the list. So she's a hate agent. So if you hang out with her, Carl, Carl Benjamin. And they, they talk about Carl Benjamin in particular. That's Sargon of Akkad. He's a hate agent because, and this is, this is, fascinating to me. Sargon of Akkad is labeled a hate agent because he only represented, see, John Kinsman, member of the Proud Boys, 
Carl Benjamin had neutral representation of him. So he didn't, he didn't criticize him. He didn't praise him. He was neutral of a Proud Boys member, and that makes him a hate agent. This is insane. This right? is like how they said, you, you're not on Facebook. You can get banned for posting about any of these hate agents unless you post about them critically. Right. Right. So then they talk about the three tiers of being a hate agent. If you have one, you know, three instances in one statement of slurs, but it's hate speech. So who knows what it means? So anyway, my point really is, I mean, the specifics are less interesting than the revelation, which we all kind of know, but the revelation that they are building kind of like a Chinese social credit system, right? This isn't just, um, it would be bad enough if it was a few SJWs at Facebook randomly deleting and, and hating on people they don't like. I, that would be preferable. Um, it would be arbitrary, but it would be preferable. What they're trying to do is automate this, and, and they are trying to implement something very similar to China's social credit score. They're trying to figure out through association, through messaging, through probably AI analysis of, of your words and you know people you've liked or hung out with they can they can see who you're in pictures with already right so the, by the way one thing i didn't mention or i'm not sure if i made clear in this article but they analyze off platform behavior as well so they're not just looking at on platform behavior they're they are looking at you as an individual everywhere in your life on and off platform and trying to decide to give you a, a hate agent score within Facebook. They're trying to give you a social credit score within Facebook to figure out how to treat you, what to allow you to do and not to do. So this is basically, now granted, this is a private company. You don't have to be on Facebook, right? So there's a difference, but it's the same mentality. It's the same authoritarian, um, busybody control freak mentality of leftists who are petrified that there's anyone in the world who disagrees with them and makes jokes that they don't like or says things they don't like. And so this, you know, Facebook is, yeah, they're a private company, they, but they're huge and they're very influential. And obviously Google is, is or will be doing the same thing. Same with Twitter. Same, they're, they're all doing the same thing. And not only that, they talk to each other. So eventually these will be linked. I'm, I'm 100% certain that it will not take long for these companies to link their systems together. They're probably already having discussions now about how to automate linkage between them so that if YouTube flags someone as a hate agent because someone appeared on a video with someone else that trickles through to Twitter and to Facebook and everything else, they are trying to build an Orwellian universe of their own in the private sector. But the thing is, this won't stay in the private sector because they also want to be highly regulated. They want regulation because it protects them from criticism. So, and it protects them from competition. So I think this is a, I, I don't know that Mark Zuckerberg is actually planning to be uh, czar of the world someday, but they are, this is a step towards building a, an Orwellian government-run social credit system. The Chinese government doesn't build the social credit system. They have company, even in China, they pay other people to build it and they link it together and correlate the data. It's not, it's going to be very, very, uh, it's going to be very easy to just transmute this entire system into 
oh, the government's going to be involved in this now as well. Um, and yeah, the government's already naive. The government's already involved with social media, more so in other countries, but we've seen that. We, we've seen that there are governments who are asking Facebook to give them information so they can go and arrest people. Like that's like- Yeah, I mean in the US though, yes. Right, obviously. but it will, it will happen here, of course. It's happening elsewhere. Like there's, there's a, there, there are examples. There's a roadmap. It's, it can, it can, it will, it will happen. Yes. <laughs> like, Note to conservatives, uh, arguing for regulation of Facebook will speed that process up. Like, that's all you'll do. You'll speed up the marriage between the government and Facebook. And uh, this will happen. I mean, so this gets back to my question before, Carrie. When does the frog leave the pot? When do you revolt? Because honestly, I, I think someone from 50, a reasonable person 50 years ago would look at this and go, how are you not in the midst of a civil war right now. What the hell are you people doing? Why are you sitting back watching Netflix, letting this shit happen? Because, okay, this is what, I, I think the first book that we read in our Unsafe Space book club should be Brave New World. And Great, here's I haven't why. read that in a long time. Oh my gosh, you're gonna love it as an adult. Reading it as an adult is so different than reading it like I, I first read it in high school or something yeah, in high when. school, right? Like eighth grade or something. And, and yeah. you just don't understand it. And I didn't have the historical context. I didn't, I didn't under, I, I understood it. I, but not the way I understand it now. Um, and, and so in brave new world, he talks about like, um, actually in the forward. So when he re-released it in the forties, he wrote this amazing forward. That's like, gosh, this guy's a prophet. <laughs> really? okay. Yeah. And in the forward, he talks about, um, how much things have moved towards this version of the future that he wrote it just in the years since he wrote it. And he said, you know, here are some things I think need to happen um, in order for this to become something of a reality in the U S and he listed out these things and it's incredible to look at his list and see how far we've progressed towards that list. But one of the things he talks about is, so in the book, everyone is uh, taking this drug called Soma Yep, I do remember that. Yeah, and Soma just kind of blisses you out and you're like, and you're not really concerned about this dystopia that you live in. And he's like, in the foreword, he talks about, we're going to have, there's going to be some type of drug that's peddled to the masses that is, um, he's like, alcohol, whiskey is too harsh on the system. It's too harsh on the body. And heroin, it's just puts you out to, you know, there's going to be something in the middle. And I'm like, pot? <laughs> Like, but Soma could just stand for social media. It doesn't have to be a drug. Right. It, it could, could be Netflix. It could be Netflix. Well, and that gets to my second point. He, he specifically does talk about a drug, though. And I think, I think, we, I think at least in terms of modern culture, culture, the thing that comes closest is probably pot. Because it doesn't have, it doesn't have just like he said, it doesn't have the adverse health effects of something like ingesting whiskey every day. And it doesn't completely put you on your ass like heroin. Um, kind of right. Um, but then he says, this gets to your point. He says, there's going to be Soma and there's going to be at CNL. His time he was talking about the radio, but he was like, there's going to be feelies in the, in the, in the book. There's feely people go to the movies and they watch emotion. They, they, they watch uh, programs that give them feelings. And he's like, there's going to be something, an opiate of the masses. That's sort of like um, some type of entertainment. 
It's going to be, and, and so he was talking about like radio, television. He's talking about, he couldn't envision social media, but that's what social media is. It's Man, oh, oh, Huxley. All right, that, that should be our first book. Absolutely. I'm excited. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, and you know what? We've talked about this book club thing. Carrie, let's get off our, our ass and try and get it set up next week so we can yeah, start it. Let's do um, it. So, and if I don't cut this part out, we will have committed to everyone. Don't, don't cut it out. Let's commit. We weren't going to start it next week, but Carrie and I will get our stuff together next week. Yeah. And, yeah. So, okay. Well, on that note, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know it's probably illegal to directly advocate for violence and I'm not, I'm not advocating that you take up arms. I'm asking the question of when will you? Um, I'm not taking up arms. I'm sitting here talking. So, uh, I, but I do think, I do think we need to start asking ourselves and, I, and taking up arms isn't the next step. There's lots of steps between now and taking up arms. Uh, I'm using it as a, an extreme example, but what I mean is like, when are we like, get off our, get off your ass and do something. Like, when are we going to all move to a sp specific spot or when are we going to stop like civil disobedience for laws that we don't like or, and, and like start taking people to court, right? Start actually fighting laws that we don't like that we think are unconstitutional. Um, when are we going to, when are we going to actually show some real resistance and, and I'm only talking to a very small percentage of the population. Uh, I think a larger percentage of our audience, but most people will not fight this. And this is the thing that I think we need to remember. Most people are happy in China. They interview people that you have seen documentaries, but they interview these people about social credit. Most people in China and don't think that the Chinese are so much different from you. We're all humans. Most people in China are like, yeah, it's a good idea. It's, it makes it easier. What they do is they make things easier for you if you're a compliant sheep. So they're like, oh, it's easier to get my tickets. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. People like it. They like it. The sheep like it. So most of the people around you are going to just stay in the pot until it boils and they will boil with a smile on their face. So if you don't want to boil, you've got to be the one to accept the social friction that will come with acting because people around you will not want to act right up until they're dead. They won't want to act. I mean, so one of the things that, I mean, you know, I hate to bring up the Holocaust, but it's something that really strikes me whenever I see pictures of, of, of this kind of thing. Um, how many people just, when they're finally executed, it doesn't have to be the Holocaust. It could be uh, communism killed way more people than Nazism. So let's use, let's use the let's use uh, um, Khmer Rouge, the killing fields of Khmer Rouge or Soviet Union or whatever. Um, when they finally execute people, so many people are just resigned to their death at that point. You see it in their eye. They just, they're just there. They let themselves get shot or whatever it is. They don't fight back. Um, now, granted, there's no way of winning at that point. I mean, their, their spirit is broken at that point. They're just, they're just broken. But those people didn't start broken. They didn't start that way. They slowly were broken until they just you know, there was just no point in fighting. And that's, that's how they felt. And, you know, for, for those people, there probably was no point in fighting. They're, 
I mean, I guess maybe they could take out a guard on their way out if they're super lucky, but they're going to die. Um, if you're in a situation like that and it's, it's tragic what happens to the human spirit, but, but that, that transition happens gradually over time. And there were times for many, in many of these cases, there were times when they could have fought, maybe not those people in particular, if you're a minority and there's most of the people are against you, there's, you know, nothing you can do about it. But, uh, there are, there are times when society could have fought. People in Germany could have stood up to Hitler more vehemently. Um, even there's a lot of just passive acceptance of what's going on. Um, that, and, this is the biggest, one of the biggest things that just frustrates me. Uh, is it, and I started to see it right after Trump was elected, is SJWs who believe and who maintain that that they would have been the good German, or not the good German, they would have been the German who objected. They would have been the one who didn't go along with everything. And I'm like, do you not understand that currently it, you are the one who is going along with everything? <laughs> like, you are, you are exactly- You are the bad German. Yes, you are exactly the quote good German. You are exactly the person you think you're not. Like, that is what is happening. You are the- exact opposite of what you think you would be doing. I know what you would have been doing back then because I can see what you're doing now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you'd have been, uh, you'd have been helping the trains run on time. Right. And yet they, they want, they want to accuse other people of that. And like, but they're, they have such a childlike understanding of history and human nature and of their own capacity for evil. You know, it's yeah. like you're, you're, you guys are blind, blind. And that's what it takes. It takes blindness to your, takes blindness to yourself and what you're capable of and uh yeah and an inability to look at history and then extrapolate out and see uh patterns and see like you know what's uh they think simply by saying i'm against nazis that they're the they're the people who are against nazis they don't understand right. it's like right if i yeah. use that word therefore I, that's true it's like well do you know yeah. what the essence Nazism is, and do you know that it's exactly what you're doing? Um, so, yeah, it's, I, I don't know, Carrie. I don't know. I, I think we need people need to prepare for discomfort. Discomfort is coming. I'm not trying to be like a doomsday person. I'm just like discomfort is coming. It may just be social discomfort, but discomfort is coming, and. It can come because you're being, the, the, you're sit, sitting in the pot and the water's getting turned up, or it can come because you're fighting back and you're having difficult conversations or making decisions in your life to, you know, uh, actually affect change in some way. I don't know. I, I, I wish I had a better ending to that, but. Well, before we leave, I'm going to end on a really positive note. And you told me you want me to learn how to do screen sharing. So I'm going to practice. This is for you and for everyone. Let me see oh, if yay. I can do this. Let's see. Here we go. Really positive. Oh, my God. Really? That's the thing you're going to share? Does it, is it working? Yeah, yeah. It's working. I'm just... <laughs> It's not, Corey. <laughs> it kind of looks like it's like the Democrat version of Jeb. Jeb, 
that's what it is. It's not his real, it's not oh. his real thing, but that's oh, yeah. why I think it's so funny. Somebody made this. I think Matt, Matt Walsh, well, somebody shared it that I was like, Oh my oh. God, that's hilarious. That's yeah. exactly what it should be. Corey. <laughs> yeah. What is his, I don't know what his thing is. I don't care. Um, all right. Well, enough of that. I guess we will, uh, have a good weekend, everyone. We'll see you on Monday. And, uh, and thank, thank you guys for subscribing. I mean, I noticed this week we got a lot of new subscribers, both on YouTube and on Subscribestar. Oh, yeah. Thank you for reminding me, Carrie. If you're a subscriber on Subscribestar and your name's not listed in the credits, it's because you haven't answered our question of what name you want listed in the credits. So answer our question. We sent you a message on Subscribestar. Check it. Uh, and if you're not on Subscribestar, why not? Also, someone purchased, uh, people are starting to buy shirts. <gasps> That's Yay. exciting. Shirts are awesome, in fact. Um, so go buy shirts. Unsafespace.com. Have a good weekend. Bye, Carter. <laughs>